You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. Episode number 509. Working really hard for someone else to make a lot of money, that's just not in it for me. I can't do that. That's what led me to getting into real estate. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hey guys, this is Lauren Hardy, and you are listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. If this is your first time listening in, welcome. You are about to have your mind blown because today we have Steve Trang in the house. Steve is the host and creator of the Real Estate Disruptors podcast. It is a huge honor to be interviewing him since he is usually interviewing very high-level investors on his show. But today, we get to learn more about Steve. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So Steve, we met like what a month ago. I was on your podcast, on the Real Estate Mm -hmm. Disruptors podcast in Phoenix. And that was a great opportunity. I had a lot of fun. Um, And we figured out, we had a lot of different things in common that we like kind of... Way more than we thought. Like we were like, are we the same person? This is weird. (laughs) Like, I know we look different, but I feel the same. Well, we had a blast. And you know, it's always a trip. It's always an adventure, right? I mean, there's so many people out here that anytime you come out, it's almost like a second home, you know? I first met you when you were at Batch's office to do Brent's podcast and you were out for the TTP Christmas party. Yeah. We hung out there. So it's like, we go way back. We go yeah. way back. So yeah. Steve, tell me about yourself and not just in the real estate world. Like, tell me your family. Are you married? You got kids? Where are you from? Well, definitely married, right? Happily. Uh, in fact, it's one of my things is uh, uh, every morning, you know, when I'm looking at my affirmations, is uh, and, and vision is you know a cherished wife is number one is number one on my vision board. So married, three kids, three awesome and also difficult kids. And then as far as you know where I came from, I came here as an immigrant, you know, seven months old, born in a refugee camp in Italy. So came here with nothing, literally nothing. And uh, we were sponsored uh, by some families. Grew up living in uh, cheap apartments, uh, mobile home. Uh, we're actually the mobile home park I grew up in in Tempe is across the street from where I got my last two Teslas, you know? So it's just kind of like, it's interesting to experience, but grew up good kid, good grades. Uh, you know, mom and dad always said, do well in school, get a good job. And I did that. Went, you know, full ride to ASU, full ride to UC San Diego, did the corporate thing, found out the corporate thing's not for me. I always did good work, but man, working for somebody just was not for me. And I think that probably is true for a lot of people that are listening. Just working really hard for someone else to make a lot of money, that's just not in it for me. I can't do that. That's what led me to getting into real estate. If it weren't for like a few a handful of books, I probably would still be an engineer, right? Like you don't know what's possible. And right now you got YouTube and a lot of people are learning from podcasts and so on. What's, what's available out there? But... You know, if it weren't for a handful of books, you know, you got Kiyosaki, you know, uh, T. Harv Ecker, and, and, and these books that are out there, Napoleon Hill, I might still be an engineer because you can see what's out there, what's available. And 
I didn't have a bad life. When I quit my job, I was making 85,000 a year plus benefits. Like, you know, health was good. Health insurance was good. There were stock options and like it wasn't stock options. They would just give you stocks. I was making, you know, after everything, like 100,000 a year when I quit. It was a really good life. But I also knew that wasn't the life for me. Right. So then tell me what what got you into real estate investing? So uh, after reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I realized that there's ways to get a get out of the rat race. And I, I still have, you know, three best friends. Uh, and we, we formed an LLC together to buy rental properties. And thank God we got our loans denied because this is back in 2006, 2007, because otherwise we'd have more foreclosures than the ones we already have. Um, <laughs> and while doing that, I met a, a broker who positioned himself as an investment broker, talked a pretty big game. And I said, okay, well, you know, it seems like you're doing a lot, you're doing really well and you make pretty good money. Like, what do you do? And uh, he's like, you know, I make, I make six figures and all I do is talk to people, which right? sounds familiar. And he's like, yeah, you just talk to people all day and you just make a lot of money. It's like, well, I can do that. At that point, I got my real estate license in two and a half weeks, immediately submitted my two weeks notice and went full time in the real estate, which in hindsight was a terrible idea, right? Because the market just took a massive dump at that point. Right. But I only know one way, which is to go all in. Yeah. yeah. One speed, full speed. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always say. <laughs> I only have one speed, full speed. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's so totally go home. what year was this? This was 2007. 2007. Okay. Yeah. Crap year. <laughs> Crap year to get into real estate. <laughs> yeah. You know, what was really cool was at that time, you know, I was still working really hard, worked way harder for myself. Cause when I was doing really well at Intel, I was working like 25 hours a week. I wasn't working, working hard at all, okay. you know? So I was working way harder for myself. And the, it was really cool. I was talking to some people that are like, man, if you can express this work ethic right now in this crappy times, you're going to crush it when things turn around. I had a couple of people say like, I can't wait to see who you become when the market turns around. I was like, wow, that's kind of a huge compliment. Cause like I'm nobody. Clearly, people saw some things in me that I didn't see in myself yet. So now take me from the struggle to then you started out in residential, like it sounds like residential sales. Mm -hmm. As a realtor, yeah. As a realtor. And then what got you into being an investor? So I did the realtor thing and it was it was cool and all. Um, not the most exciting thing. Turns out it's a job. And around 2011, 2012, I got into coaching. So I struggled along the way. And then I got into my first coaching program because I knew something had to change. And so I got into coaching and that's when I became, it, it transformed me from being a realtor to a business owner that happens to be in real estate, right? Like that was the thing that clicked in my brain. And then after that, you know, I'm always trying to get, find more leads, find more leads. And uh, there was a guy that had a program, House Buyer Network, which basically was pay-per-click leads for sellers. And so I said, okay, well, uh, I signed, I tried to sign up for that, but it was exclusive per market. So I couldn't get in and I'm not one that takes no for an answer. I was like, well, I can't buy it from you. Then I'll make it myself. And so I did. And so I started doing my own pay-per-click marketing. And at that time, the biggest competitor was Sean Terry. And so for a couple of years, it was basically me and, and Sean Terry. And what did I do? I copied his websites Right. Uh, so I made my own websites, copy his. And then there's a there's a tool. I don't know if it's still around. It was called Keyword Spy. And so using Keyword Spy, you can find what other people are bidding on. So you can find the keywords they're using and their ad copy. So what did I do? 
I copied his ad copy and I copied his keywords. And I did this and this actually got me a lot of listings. So what the problem was is that I was still thinking like a realtor instead yeah. of thinking like a wholesaler. And so I would go to these appointments and I say, well, you don't want to go with an investor. Like if we list your house, you'll get more money. And I got plenty of listings that way. But I did get a lot of people that also said, no, I want cash. Right. Because what? how do they find me? Buy my house, sell my house fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I would go in there, the first couple of houses I bought, it was like, you know, we can list it for a hundred thousand in 30 days. You'll get 91,000 after all closing costs. And so no, we want cash offer too. It's like, well, cash offer is going to be a lot less than that. And so no, we want cash offer. I said, well, the most I can offer for this is like 80,000. She's like, done. I said, I don't think you heard me. If we list yeah. it for a hundred thousand, you'll get 91,000. She's like, no, I'll take the 80. Right. Are you sure? It's like, yes. I said, okay. So I bought her house. And uh, on the way home, actually, I called my wife. I said, hey, we just bought a house. She's like, what do you mean we just bought a house? Like, they wanted cash. So I made a cash offer. And she said, okay, well, we're gonna, how are we going to buy it? I was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Hung up. Call my dad. Hey, dad, do you have $80,000? Like, yeah, I have $80,000. Okay, great. We're buying a house. And so the first couple of times that happened, we bought them and we wholesaled them. We, we were wholesaling before we knew what wholesaling was. But eventually we ran out of money. And once we ran out of money, that's was like, crap. Now I, I learned about this Anno or assignee thing. Let's look into this some more. And so Jamil actually called me as a Zillow lead. So Jamil is a Zillow lead. That's how we connected, right? I was a Zillow premier agent. Jamil was a Zillow lead. Called me and he bought one of the pro properties that I bought, you know, as a wholesale. And like I had it listed, I want to say like 110. And he was like, I'll buy it. I said, okay, now you should know this doesn't have an AC. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. And he double closed on it. And I saw that he sold it for 123. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time selling for 110,000 in the MLS. He sold it as a wholesale for 123,000. I said, okay, well, there's clearly something I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I took him off to lunch. We went to Claire Coy. I still remember. And I grilled him. I'm like, you know, teach me more about this world. And it's not like I wasn't familiar with the wholesale world. I knew about it. Right. But it's one thing to know about it. It's another one to have Jamil teach it to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I learned from Jamil. And as we got, we started doing more deals, you know, at that time I was happy to make 3000, which God is atrocious today. But at that time I was happy with 3000. And then I started doing, I, I did a couple with Jamil where I was making 10,000 on an assignment. And after that, I was like, well, it looks like this wholesale thing is, is legit. That's, so that, was, that started in 2012, 2013. Tell me now, when you were starting all this and you started like hoteling mm -hmm. and wholesaling, what, if you can remember, like put yourself back there at that time when you didn't have a ton of money behind you and you didn't have a lot of experience, what was your biggest fear? My biggest fear was getting found out, was getting, getting caught. People finding out that I'm not really legit. That was my biggest fear because... Yeah. I was doing deals, but as a realtor, man, and this, this is just as bad in the wholesale world, but there are people that are doing deals, but are not profitable. And so that was me, you know, uh, I was doing deals. Like I think the year before I got into coaching, I think my best year was 53 total transactions a year. Okay. Uh, after coaching, I was consistently doing hundred transactions a year uh, as a realtor, right? But what happens is you're making that much money, it's usually due to marketing. And so, yes, you can make a lot of money. Your revenue can be very high and very lucrative, but no one really looks at the expenses. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was making, you know, a few hundred thousand a year. I was taking home like 150, 120. Mm-hmm. And so for working 60 hours a week, that's awful. So when you say my biggest fear, my biggest fear is being exposed. Like they're going to find out I'm not as good as I look out there, right? As people think, because you get the accolades, you know, you get the awards for being a top producer and this and that, you know? And so a lot of people chase, you know, I call it like vanity. It's the, you know, just like today is followers, right? You want to get as many followers as possible. Right. Uh, you want to get as many likes and so on. And I'm not saying you can't, don't track it. You know, those are key metrics. Don't make that your identity. And that's, that was what was happening was I had this identity where people were looking in or looking from the outside. It's like, you know, this guy's successful. He's got this many, doing this many transactions and this and that. But in reality, like the bank account did not reflect that success. And that was my biggest fear before, you know, everything, everything turned around. Yeah. The imposter syndrome, I guess you'd say. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's right. a very real thing. It is a very real thing. And I, I even think once you are doing well, you still have it. Yeah. Well, you're like, there's nothing. What's so special about me? You know, like you just still have that memory of who you were 10 years ago. I mean, I, I remember who I was. I haven't forgotten where I came from, you know? Yeah. Well, I have friends that are super, super successful, like yeah. clearing like a million a year and they're waiting, like they're not waiting. They're terrified. They're going to get found out. And, and that, like, I swear, it's like a conversation like once a quarter, like, what the hell are you talking about? There's, you're not going to get exposed because you're the real deal. But they still carry that, you know, it's that it's kind of like you said, right? Starting with nothing to getting to here, it just it's hard for your brain to comprehend. Like, no, you like you actually are here. But I think there's, it's also healthy to have that because if you're not, you might get comfortable and you're definitely yeah. fast. For sure. Now, you talk a lot about personal development. I think that's something we definitely like bonded on is like session with personal yeah. development. What's your favorite book? Let's start with that. Oh, man. Favorite book? You know, I think recently, you know, I really love The Road Less Stupid, but I would, I would go back to the classic of Thinking Grow Rich, which, by the way, is an incredibly difficult book to get through. You know, I didn't know that. Right. I had multiple people tell me that. But you know what's interesting? What do they say is the number one key to success in that book? Persistence. But, you know, I've, I read that book when I first got into the business. And then, you know, along the way, I've read over 100 books. I documented, like, I have a spreadsheet of all the books I, I've read, reviewed, and so on. Not reviewed, but, like, I think are, are worthy. And then I went back and listened to Think and Grow Rich again. And I was like, man, if I just listened to Think and Grow Rich, like, 10 times, I would have saved myself from having to read all these other books. Because a lot of the principles that we're learning that we think are great, you know, these are books that have come out in the last 10 years, they were recovered. They were discussed in Think and Grow Rich. So... I- I would say that's the still the number one book for me. Okay. Maybe I need to like hunker down and watch. There's a, if you get it, if you get the audible version, there's an audible version of Thinking Very Rich that has uh, Napoleon Hill's uh, speeches in there too. So like it'll be like a couple of chapters and then a speech record that was recorded of Napoleon okay. Hill speaking. That's, I really enjoy that one a lot. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll go revisit it. But I do love The Road Less Stupid. That, is a, book. that is a good book. Yeah, that I think is, that's a book that anyone that's been in the business for a year needs to listen because you're going to realize all the stupid stuff he's done. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and just anybody in any business, not just like real estate. It's really a, a book for entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Great book. Great book. Yeah. Now, what about, okay, so you've done lots of coaching programs. What about like you've said, like you've gone to some seminars, let's say not so much real estate. Okay. Like what are like some, cause you've done a lot, like you've done yeah. a lot of these, like the personal development stuff. Like what is some of your favorite like seminars you've been to? Um, you know, the best bang for the buck today still is Insane Productivity by Darren Hardy. Um, best okay. bang for the buck, you know, I think it was like 2000 to go 10. It was yeah. more expensive to, to fly there and pay for the hotel than it was actually for the event, you know? Okay. Um, I would say by far the best bang for the buck. And, you know, if you were to get it today, it's like a 12-week module, you know? But okay. we covered that whole thing in one day. Like what he talks about on those 12 modules, that was a one-day thing from like... 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. So it like makes a, more sense to go and just knock it out in a day versus 12 modules? I think the great thing for me, I love going to events because you're 100% present. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a difference between watching it on video and being present. Because if you're there, there are no distractions. And not only that, I mean, he'll tell you from stage, like, put your phone away, put it on silent, turn it off if you can, you know? If you're watching a module, you're still getting distracted. You're going to have the God minute questions, right? Like those questions never go away. So you're going to have fires. But if you go to an event and you're properly staffed, your staff will take care of stuff. So you don't, it doesn't have to get to you, right? So I think that's the big thing about going to the event. And then, so I like that one. I really enjoyed his high performance forum. You know, uh, that was a two and a half day event. I think that was incredible. Strategic coach has been monumental. One of the exercises they work on is actually to help deal with the imposter syndrome. And so I think that was a great coaching program. You know, that was four, there were four one-day events sprinkled throughout the year. So if you started in May, then it'd be three months, three months, three months, and that was it. And you pay for the year. So that was really cool too. Okay. So obviously there's a trend that you love Darren Hardy. Yeah. And so do I, as you know, my, like my favorite book is The Compound Effect by Darren Mm -hmm. Hardy. Yeah. Big Darren Hardy fan. So I, I, but I haven't done any of the seminars. So I want to like maybe look into those. Um, you absolutely have to. You have yeah. to go to his, his things in person. And it, what's really interesting is, you know, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. You know, he's got a smile on his, on his, uh, uh, Darren Dailies and whatever. But man, he's an intense person in person. Is he? Like, okay. I mean, you talk about if someone's like a 99D on the desk profile, you can just, feel when they're in the room. You know what I'm talking about? Like when this person's in the room, like the energy of the room just changes. And yeah. that's him. And he's intense all the time. Like he can't even sit down and have like a nice lunch. Like he's just intense. Great guy, obviously, but uh, not someone that you like, hey, you want to go hang out? Just That's just not going to happen with that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm like, now I'm very intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, sure he knows, I'm not even sure he knows how to have fun. Really? Yeah. Okay. That is, you know, they always say like when you like, sometimes the worst thing is like meeting your hero and he is like my hero, like Darren Hardy. And there's no relation by the way, but Darren Hardy is like, I don't know, ever since I read the compound effect, I mean, it really like that book really changed my life. And I, I read entrepreneur roller coaster after that life changing books, but I did, I always wondered like, would he be the same in person? Like as this person I built him up to be, and yeah, I haven't he's built still that my hero. Still my hero, but yeah. his position on family is you shouldn't have kids because it will limit what you can do. Ah, okay. Right? I mean, he's all about business. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and there's, yeah, and we're more about balance. I exactly. Think, yeah. I. So let's talk about balance. What is your why? Like, why are you really doing this? Why do you do all this? 
Uh, so I think that there's a couple of things. I think I'm, I think I'm screwed up, right? I think that's just a cocktail of coming here as an immigrant, of having your parents in an Asian culture. I think, like, A, we came here for, to chase the American dream. So it'd be an absolute disappointment if we didn't pursue the American dream, right? Like, take every opportunity that you can have, right, in this country. So I am. There's no hard ceiling on what you can achieve. And so I'm going to go as far as I can go. The second thing is being, you know, growing up in a Chinese family and the oldest son, my parents always said, if anything happens to us, I'm sorry, when we retire, when we get old, you are responsible for taking care of us. It's not like, you know, put us in a home or this and that. It's like, we're probably going to live with you. Like, this is what's going to happen, right? And then it was also, if anything happens to us, you are responsible to take care of your five younger brothers. You know, you need to sacrifice yourself to make sure that they're successful. So this is what I grew up with, okay? Right. And then there's also, you know, you talk about the tiring model. No matter what you do, it's not good enough. Yeah. And so that creates a competitive drive, right? You're, you're you know, after every exam, you're looking over the kids, like what they get in their test, Yeah. right? So there's that. And then there's that, again, that, well, I guess the really big thing is just being super, super competitive. And knowing yeah. that no matter what you did was never good enough for mom and dad, I think that kind of screws you up in the head. So that it makes you want to pursue and achieve everything. Uh, and again, going back to what we said to Darren, right? It's an achievement addiction. You know, if the only way to get mom and dad's attention is to do well, then you're programmed to always try to do well. Mm-hmm. That is very true. And I've, I've put a lot of thought, like what motivates everybody? Because now I'm, I'm a coach, I've got students and I've got to figure out like what every individual student, like how can I push them to succeed? And I've figured out that it's more emotional in nature than it is. Like I can give you steps A, B, C, right? That's in my course. I can give that to you. But a lot of students will get stuck on something. Like they get stuck in an area of the business. And usually there's this emotional component that has something that's like, it's like they're struggling with motivation because there's something in their head and I'm not motivating them enough somehow. And so yeah. I've always been really, I'm, I've been paying a lot of attention lately to what is motivating everybody. And I really figured it out, it's funny. I really feel like it's three things. It's either there's competitive people like you. So it's either people are motivated by competition, revenge, or fear. Yeah. And maybe sometimes a little bit, a combo of two. So like yeah. for me, it's revenge and fear. Like all day long, I was saying it this morning. Uh, I, I was literally just having this conversation this morning. I was like, I'm only, somebody was like, you're not competitive other than in business. And I was like, actually, I'm not really a competitive person at all. Like not even in business. I am really motivated by revenge and fear. I one time had a really crappy boss. I had a boss that was so bad and such a jerk that that was like this revenge. Like I'll show you, I will never work for someone like you again. Mm -hmm. I'll show you. Like that was my revenge. Like I'll get myself out of this situation. And like one day, like I will get to see you and I will not be working for you anymore. And I'll be so happy. And so that's what got me to be an entrepreneur. Was that? I think that's great. Cause I actually have, you know, there are a couple of things that where that's happened where I've faced rejection and it just fuels me. Yeah. Watch me. I'm going to succeed despite you. Mm -hmm. And then fear is more of like back against the wall. Mm-hmm. And I do, and I've heard that like the human body apparently performs better under stress. 
Oh, yeah. Like our performance is better under stress. And I think that, yeah, like I perform much better under stress when my back is against the wall and I'm afraid, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills or like something happened personally. So then I am like, oh, I better make money so I can pay my way out of this. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm like, like I have to pay my bail or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, like just like, oh man, you know, this is, I better, you know, I need to throw money at this problem. So. But I, mean, I think it's great that you figure that out. Because yeah. that's one of the hardest things how to figure out how to motivate people. Because I can't stand motivating people. And right. so I love that you've taken the time to figure that out. Because right. if you can motivate someone, you can get a lot out of them. Yeah, you really can. Like I had a student and I was literally, I was like, I, he was like younger guy. And I could kind of tell, I was like, I bet fear motivates him. And he's like this younger guy, you know? And I was like, what's worse? Like making some offers, like, you know, lowballing sellers or moving back in with your parents in your 20s. <laughs> and he's like, moving back in with my parents, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Make those offers then. Exactly. <laughs> well, Steve, it's been a pleasure. So what are you working on right now? That's big to you. I know you have the Real Estate Disruptors podcast where people can find you there and they should absolutely subscribe. Is there anything else you want to share? Yeah. So uh, we also do sales training, which I think is one of the most important things that we need today, given the prevalence of information and knowledge out there. You know, like we're all pulling the same list, cold calling the same guy, texting the same guy. You need to be different. And so for me, I'm really passionate about running lean. So how can you make more money without spending more money? And the best way to make more money without spending more money is to convert better. So convert more appointments, Convert more calls to appointments, convert more appointments to sales, and buy them cheaper than you were buying before. And the key to that is to be better on the phone and better in person. So it's through sales. So I don't have the link right now, so I'll send it to you. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Steve, thank you so much. Is there thank anything you, this is a lot you want to say or find last Steve? Thoughts. Last um, thoughts. Yeah, last thoughts I would say is you know, um, you guys may have heard this before, but why not you? We live in the best country on the planet. You know, uh, you and I were, were examples of what can happen if you really go all in. So why not you? Why not now? Let's go for it. Get everything that you deserve. Awesome. All right, Steve. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. you. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. If you guys want to learn more about virtual real estate investing, check out my program at www.wholesalinginc.com slash virtual. Thanks again. Have a great day. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.